here's with Nigel. Uh, as usual, it's me, Nigel, and my co-host, Nick Parker. And what's today up? we got a very... Uh, what's up? What's up, Nick? Uh, we've got a very special guest, uh, my homeboy, uh, 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 Jeremy Danner of uh, Four Hands Brewing. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you. How's it going? Uh, it's going It's going well. Uh, before we get started, obviously, Nick screwed up and doesn't have the beer. So we're going to get into the mystery beer immediately. I'm that in. way he can I'm digging right in. be drinking with us. So let's see what the first mystery beer is. Uh, show show uh, show Jeremy the bag. Hold it up. So nice. this this was stolen, <laughs> I believe, from the old Independence Cracker Neck course in 1987. Only made when we, we, we when woods were actually made of wood. Is that yeah, what that is? Yeah. There. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really know, but I'm sticking yes. with that story. What do we got in here, Nigel? I, I brought you some special beers, man. Ooh. I warned him. I was like, "Well, you, you got 16 ounces. Sorry." Ooh, ah, I've not nice. had this. Which one is this? That's some grains and taps. This is the grains. Okay, I've had theirs. Well, I that didn't is, know that. This is no. Well, like, do you do you think I mind? Do you think I mind doubling up? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that'll be your sipping beer, and we'll, yeah, that, the, yeah, the next two I'm sure you have not had. So anyway, so you needed a beer to drink. So, uh, uh, Jeremy, tell tell the people what you're drinking, man. I'm drinking uh, Incarnation from uh, Four Hands because I'm a homer. It's our uh, right. Mosaic Hopped IPA. It's around 7%. And then a little bit of uh, Columbus for bittering, but then all the late and dry hopping is done with Mosaic. So it's more tropical fruit, pineapple, mango than it is grassy green resinous hop character. Nice. Uh, kids, I'm drinking uh, Anthem Brewing's, nice. what is it called? Always uh, in session IPA. Shout out to Kenny from Oklahoma City who sent that to me. Uh, I love that brewery. Uh, it's a very, very good beer. Nice and tasty, uh, nice and pretty. So, um, at, I'm uh, shout, shout out, out to here. All their stuff is so good, but this is yeah. this is one of my favorites. And shout shout out to Junior because uh, one of our favorite uh, <laughs> watchers of this is Junior. Every week, Junior he wants <laughs> he wants to know the descriptions of all the beers because he wants to know what the hell people are drinking. So, uh, <laughs> shout out to Junior. So, so Jeremy, man, uh, we kind of go way back, but. I, you know, we kind of we're kind of like beer festival friends, right? Right. You know, uh, uh, let's start. Let's let's start with you. How did you get into into craft beer? Where'd that start? Man, uh, it, it sounds ridiculous, but my twenty first birthday, I went to a, uh, a brew pub where a buddy of mine was the brewer. He told me, you know, come down on your, on your birthday. I'll buy you lunch and buy you some beers. We'll hang out. And as I was walking into the brewery, it was. Uh, do you remember hops that used to be on? Thir- or, yeah, it's Thirty Ninth Street in Independence. It was like a national brew pub chain that was based out of Florida. He was the brewer there. I don't think it even exists anymore. But as I was walking in, I saw him uh, climb out of the kettle after, you know, finishing a brewer and cleaning up. And that's when it hit me that people make beer. Like, I knew he was a brewer. I knew that was his job. But it's like, you know, until you go to a dairy farm, you know, oh, milk comes from the store. That's where I get milk. And beer comes from the liquor store. And you think about it coming from breweries, which are just these, you know, monolithic, faceless factories. And you don't really think about the fact that, like, people do some pretty shitty work to make beer, you know? Uh, so that blew my right. mind. He showed me around on what he was doing and uh, that, that really set me off. And I, I just started, you know, I could try to get any books I could get my hands on to read about beer, um, drinking all the beer I could get. I worked at uh, Fox and Hound for a little bit in, in independent. Oh, wow. I, in there. I was one of the opening servers there. Just sort of kind of fell headlong, you know, going to four or five liquor stores on a beer run, that kind of stuff. Um, and then I learned to brew at 75th Street Brewery in Waldo. So I really, 
I got fired from a bar job down at, I worked at Coaches down at 103rd, and it was still there. Yeah. And this is back in, oh, oh, 05. So yeah, November 05, I started working at 75th Street Brewery as a server and a bartender. And in June, uh, I moved into the brew house and became an assistant brewer. That's where I made, that, that's my first batch of beer I ever made. I never home brewed. So the smallest batch I've ever made is seven barrels, which is pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that's that for awesome. a little bit. Um, I thought that I'd like to learn how to run a brew pub, maybe want to open one someday. So I went into management which was a mistake. I'm not a manager. I'm not a good boss. I'm a worker bee. So I, I got out of that and bartended in another spot um, over in Shawnee Mission for a while while I was working part-time on the smokestack bottling line at Boulevard. And that was in early 08 when I was doing that January. And then uh, I got fired from that bar job on St. Patrick's Day. And if you get fired from a bar on St. Patrick's Day, you they are done with you. They, they don't <laughs> need you at all. Um, yeah, I called, I called Stephen Powell, who was the brew, who's still the brewmaster at Boulevard. I said, Hey man, I lost my job today. I want to go full-time at Boulevard. I'll do anything, you know, clean floors. I'll, whatever you have, I'll do. So I came in and interviewed for uh, a job on the regular bottling line, accepted that. The next day he, uh, he called me and said, I know I just gave you this uh, bottling line job, but I had a brewer give notice today and I, I prefer to give you that job instead. Is that okay? And I, I blurted out, no shit. And he goes, no shit. But that was how I got started at Boulevard. That was uh, my first day on the Brewhouse of Boulevard was March 31st of 2008. Wow. 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 So let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. So sure. before, before, you know, let's, let's go back to high school, maybe college. Do you remember what, what, when your first beer, you're like, oh, I really like beer. Do you remember what that was? Like craft beer? Um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't think I liked beer in high school. Um, you know, everybody tries their, their parents' beer or whatever, or their friends' beers. And a lot of people are drinking uh, like Bush Light or uh, Natty. And I, I just didn't think I liked beer. So I, in high school, I drank Everclear, which is a totally impossible <laughs> thing to do. Uh, wow. We were, We're going to uh, spend about the next 30 minutes on that. Yeah. No, <laughs> we, would, we buy a bottle of uh, Sunny Delight and dump half of it out and top it up with yeah. Everclear. And that's what yeah. we drank. And once your mouth goes numb, you can drink anything. You know, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. You can't if you can't uh, uh, feel the burn, it doesn't matter, dude. I, I feel like yeah. I feel like that's on a t-shirt somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think like the Got first it. beer that I remember liking was probably I mean, Boulevard Wheat was big for me. Um Boulevard right. Pale Ale. I drank a lot of um Abita Purple Haze, that raspberry wheat. Hell, hell yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. Um big I love Abita. Uh, New Belgium had their sunshine wheat, which led to me really digging their uh, their old school beer to Mar. This was way back when it was in you know twelve ounce bottles. I don't know if I had Brett back then, but yeah, I mean those were kind of the formative ones. And then like Newcastle and Guinness were some of my favorites too. Yeah, yeah. So you just kind of once you started getting the good beers, you're like, oh, I want to be in the industry, or well, I, think, I mean, you obviously yeah. you, you've come up. Yeah, I mean, I I I wanted I knew that I wanted to work in beer. I thought that I wanted to be a brewer, but I wasn't sure. And you know, back then there weren't as many breweries either. There wasn't the opportunity there. So like getting that first taste of experience was, was difficult. And that's, it's kind of what you need to get over the hump to get you into a brewery. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought it'd be cool to work at Boulevard someday, but I felt like that's like saying it'd be cool to pitch for the Royal someday too. Like, I, I missed out. Exactly. I missed a lot of the early stages to try to get there, but I'm still going to try to go to the big leagues. Um, so yeah, I, I, I kind of got into brewing it at 75th street by just volunteering to do things they didn't want to do. And it just so happened that, um, Bucky, who was the head brewer there, he left to uh, to go install cable for Time Warner, and that's when uh, yeah, like, do you want a brewer? Do you want to climb poles? Which is it, man? I you know, it's easy choice <laughs> for me. 
Yeah, he's now at Cinderblock, of course. But um, yeah, that, that's when I got my first experience in the brew house is when uh, when Bucky left and I started helping Chris Morgan out. And Chris Morgan is now at Beloit. He's been there a long time as well. I, I feel like somehow I used to go to 75th back then because I lived in Westport. And somehow I, I probably ran into you or saw you or something and probably don't remember because I used to go there all the time. But, you know, because that was it, you know, yeah. as far as it wasn't called craft back then, but it was. You know, it was a it was a brewery, so yeah. you know, yeah, kind of crazy. Back then, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I remember. You know, I grew up in Eastern Jackson County too, and I remember that hops, and that was early college for me, I think, and and that was one of the first of those that I remember popping up where I'm like, oh, this is this is a thing. Yeah, I have their own microbrews and restaurants, and they had those honey rolls. Those were so damn good. Dude. <laughs> those things were fine. <laughs> yeah. They're so good. <laughs> that was weak, man. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, that was that was the first one. It's okay. fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, 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 Jeremy. I mean, you know, you go to Boulevard. Like, that's like you said. You're going from from really not even the minors. You just yeah. jump into the majors. What was that like? I didn't know shit. Um, it was frightening. Um, I mean, I, I was confident that I, I'm a smart guy and I can learn things. And I think that's. Looking back, probably hiring a guy who didn't have a ton of commercial brewing experience apart from 75th Street made a lot of sense because, um, you know, you can't teach people how to be part of a team or how to be a hard worker, how to be cool. But you can teach people to do whatever they want. But I realized just how little I knew compared to what I knew or what I thought I knew at 75th Street. You know, I, I kind of compare it to the stream being like a cook and a chef. At 75th Street, I had a recipe and I had notes about the process and I knew what to do and when to do it. But I didn't really understand the why. And, and working closely with Stephen Powell's and uh, Sterling Holman, who's now a brewer at um, Brewery Imperial, he, he trained me for my first ten weeks, and he'd been there for fourteen years when I started, uh, which is wow. insane. So yeah, I, you just sort of realize I have so much to learn, um, you know, and you build on that foundation. So learning that why to me is the difference between being a cook and a chef, and understanding how can you know how you can manipulate certain steps of certain processes or raw materials here. Or, you know, temperatures there to, to manifest itself on the beers. That's really what I learned at Boulevard is all of the why of that. How long do you think it took before you uh, you felt like you you understood it and you could do it rather uh, than just follow the recipe and the instructions? Yeah, Boulevard, they, they want you to train about 10 weeks. It can be a longer time period if it needs to be. It can be a shorter time period. Um, everyone feels pretty good coming out of those 10 weeks because you have somebody kind of holding your hand the whole time or babysitting and watching you. It's when you go to the night shift for the first time that you really, that's when you sort of sink or swim. And, and back <laughs> in those days, you were the only person there. I, I believe they're, you know, running uh, filtration 24-5 right now as well. So you have people there with you. But I remember the first night, uh, the guy a guy named Caton was brewing on the noon to eight shift. And I came in and he's like, the plan is yours. I'm like, oh my God. And I looked around this <laughs> giant brewery. And I'm, I'm the only person in this brewery now. And once you come back from that night shift and you realize you know, everything that comes up, you have to deal with on your own or figure it out or, or call a friend, you know. And when I trained brewers later on, I was told to call me at 3 a.m. I'd much rather get woken up at 3 a.m. than come in at 5 to uh, a total cluster. You know, call me if you yes. help. But yeah, yes, I'm sorry. You know, that first shift coming back from, from nights uh, to days, you know, you feel a lot more confident about what's going on. But it, it's still a continuous learning, especially being around a guy like Stephen Powell's. You know, he has a, he has a biochemical engineering degree focused on fermentation. That is, that's some heavy stuff right there. So yeah, yeah, that's serious. Um, if I, like you're comfortable and confident, but I think you never lose the idea that you can learn something new every day, which sounds so cliche, but really, you know, talking to those people and 
rolling through the lab and talking to the lab folks and the chemists, you, you really realize um, it's, it's insane that the people who have educations like Stephen does or, uh, you know, what other brewmasters, when they, they go to these crazy schools and have these scientific backgrounds, it's wild that they've chosen to make beer with their brains instead of, you know, any number of things they could have done that, that some might argue are more culturally significant. But it's, it's lucky for us that people like that decide they do want to use their brains to make beer. I mean, you, you spent some, how long were you there? I was there uh, from March of 08 until June of 2019. So almost, almost 12 years. Holy shit. That's a long time. Yeah. And you, your, your roles kind of changed. So tell us about how, you know, you, obviously you were a brewer. When yeah. I met you, you weren't. Yep. Yeah. So I brewed from, from 2008 until 2013. At the beginning of 2013, I was given the opportunity to uh, sort of create my own job on the marketing team. On paper, we called it craft marketing specialist, public facing. We later named that job ambassador brewer. Um, and it was sort of my job to bridge the gap between brewing and marketing because they're very different departments. And then also to publicly represent the brewery at events and dinners and tastings. And that grew into managing social media, writing blog posts, writing uh, packaging and label copy um, and website copy by the time I was um, near the end of my time at Boulevard. So I really had about two and a half, three jobs at Boulevard during that time. Right. How was that? Like- how, that's a, quite a transition, though, from the very, very more science chef focused of brewer to to writing copy and to going out and talking to people at the tours and their events. And that, oh, yeah. that's, that's not an easy transition. No, it was weird. Um, I mean, I think my personality and my skill set made it really possible for me. Uh, but, but you're right. Like it, it was tough to measure my contribution or my accomplishments each day. You know, you finish it out in the brew house and you can point to a tank and say, see that I made 600 barrels of single white IPA today, but on the marketing team, I'm like, I did some stuff, you know, I, I feel good <laughs> about what I did, but I would still make, you know, very detailed to-do lists and kept very detailed notes about what I did so that I could always kind of refer back to that. And, and when you get, when you have the chance to create your own job, uh, there's a lot of scrutiny that comes with that. So I was always ready to be like, no, I, I'm working. I'm doing things. Here's what I'm currently working on. Here's a list of projects I can tell you about right now. And that was all before well, the sale I mean, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the sale officially closed on, on January 1st, 2014. So I was in that role for about about eight months before I learned that the sale was happening. And then um, I was in that, you know, I was at Boulevard for another uh, five and a half years after the sale happened. You know, just, I just, as long as I've known you, I've, the, it's, it, you know, it's two sides of the brain that, that, that brewing part and that marketing promotion ambassador part. I mean, it's, it's, it's a testament to you to be able to do that. Cause a lot of the guys I know that work in breweries, they're not good at the public parts. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't, they don't want to so, be. And, and, they shouldn't, if, and if they're not good at that, right. they, they shouldn't feel pressured to do that. And I think Boulevard being the size of the brewery it was and the size of the brewing team, you could really pick people out that had these skills and allow them to shine doing that. And there were guys who did not want to do that ever. And that got them off the hook from, you know, like, would be emails like, hey, we need a brewer for a liquor store tasting. And guys were like, no, not me. That is not me. <laughs> and I, I was always happy to go. So that's sort of how, how I became the go-to guy for things like that. Was there a difference so, uh, in, in your in your role? Did you notice a big difference after the after the sale? No, not really. Um, I mean, from the outside, people always want to say, you know, like what's changing, what's happening, and and really in my role uh, at Boulevard after the sale, the only thing that changed was the 
the color of the paper that my, my checks were printed on. And I don't, I don't know why, but really nothing changed. I, I feel like the only thing was they just got bigger. Like, yeah. like business boomed. Yeah, I mean, Google had the, the assets to immediately invest like $15 million into a seller expansion, yeah. um, another few million in a, into a canning line. So, yeah, I mean, it was all, it was all up and up from there. Um, I was nervous, though, because on paper, uh, my job that I had looked, you know, like shit. Um, like, like I spent a lot of money. They paid me well. I traveled a lot. Uh, and I didn't really have any sales to show for it because I was a marketing guy. So it was tough for me to right. demonstrate, you know, a direct return on investment. So when uh, when Michelle Morgat came over for the first plant meeting where he was going to talk and say hey to Boulevard, um, Michelle uh, runs Duval, um, I got it in my head that I was going to go up to him and I was going to welcome him to Boulevard. I thought that would be really cool. Like, hey, welcome to the family. Um, and I, I went up to introduce myself and I go, hey, I'm, he goes, you're Jeremy Danner, the movie star. And I was like, that's got to be a translation thing. I was like, no, no, I've seen, your, I've seen your beer videos. They're good. And I remember like, kind of walking a few steps further and being like, okay, cool. I'm good. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if you're, if Duval were a, you know, trim the fat, let's put everything to the bottom line that we can kind of company, I would have been out on day one, you know? Um, so I was very fortunate that they, they saw the the value in my role and, and, and kept me around for quite some time following the acquisition. You know, yeah. It's, it's interesting because a lot of people when uh, you know, breweries get bought up, people are like, oh my God, the sky is falling. And I tell people all the time, I think that was a great thing for Boulevard when that happened because it was a it was a company that, you know, w- did good beer and it wasn't they weren't going to change what you guys are doing. It's, am I right? Yeah, I mean the, the brewery wasn't broken. And I think that's you know people think of like in the corporate world they think of takeovers and buyouts and you know like these very hostile meetings where you're you're selling the company and that's how it goes. And that wasn't what John wanted to do at all. He wanted to take a step back from from running the day to day and. Um, you know, liquidate some assets as well and enjoy himself. And he, he dedicated, you know, 25 years of his life to this company and it was right. time for him to kind of take a step back. But, um, no, Boulevard was very much not broken. You know, it didn't need fixing necessarily, but the idea was to sort of, uh, supplant or secure the legacy of Boulevard in Kansas city for generations to come. And Duval made an excellent choice and a partner of that. But every time I go out for an event, especially, you know, like right after the sale, like, is it crazy? You know, have you learned, do you have to learn Belgian? I'm like, First off, Belgium is like, that's not not a thing. Yeah. I'm like, they either speak Flemish or French and most of them speak several, several languages. You know, you never feel more like a a simple American when you're in a room with the guy who can speak six languages and, and change, you know, the conversation who's talking to you. Um, I speak pig Latin and that's it. Um, But the people would ask, you know, they were, they were rightly concerned. I mean, that's whenever anything changes or they think there's a possibility of change, especially something comforting like beer. It's natural to want to know what's different. But, um, you know, people would, would ask me, I'd, I'd go to a, a, a beer dinner and say, you know, like, what's changed? Like, well, let me ask you, you know, from your perception outside, what have you seen that's changed? And they go, nothing. And for me, it was like, if you as a consumer are unable to perceive any sort of change, that to me communicates that, you know, Boulevard's doing a job of, of keeping their, their culture and their standards and, and all of those things. If your house is on fire, you know your house is on fire. I can see it on fire too. We don't have to ask. I can say, bro, your house is on fire. I'm not going to say, is your house on fire, Nigel? You know, right? Uh, do you think that, like the uh, the tasting room, the the beer hall was was that a result of the of the sale? Was that enabled Boulevard to do that, or was that something that was already planned? It was something that that was in the works for a long time, um, but just never 
that never you know manifested itself. I think if you look at all the breweries around the mid, well, I mean, if you go anywhere in the country, you go to New Belgium, you go to New Glarus, they have these big, beautiful, you know, tasting rooms and gift shops that are expansive and, and, and great and fun to hang out at. And people who travel, you know, across the country to visit your brewery, they deserve to land in a spot like that. So it was something right. that they wanted to happen for a while. And, and I honestly, I wasn't involved in the, the conversations about, you know, what made it finally happen. But um, I, I just knew that it was something that made sense. You know, once it opens, you're like, of course, there's this big beer hall and, you know, tasting room and gift shop all in one building. It, make, it makes perfect sense because Boulevard is a destination brewery in Kansas City in the same way that, you know, New Glarus is that way in New Glarus and New Belgium and Odell and Fort Collins. You know, they have these places you get there and you're like, I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere cool now. Right, right. Um, kind of looking back to your career there, uh, what, what are you proud of? Oh, man. Um, I'm really proud of... Uh, Tank Seven, you know that was a beer that I was involved with from the beginning. Um, yeah, remember I was I was brewing um, a batch of saison brett that was to be uh, the first batch of saison brett that was commercially released. And Stephen Powell's walked up to me on the old brew house, brew house one, the thirty-five barrel system, and that's that's the brew house you learn uh, after you're comfortable on the big brew house. And he asked me, he goes, "Do you know what you're doing?" I said, "Yeah, I think so. I feel good." And he goes, "Okay, good, because we're going to sell this beer for like fifteen dollars a bottle." So don't fuck it up. Yeah. And he walked away. He didn't smile. He just walked away. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like now I'm freaking out. And he came back a few minutes later and he's like, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm just messing with you. I know that we don't know each other that well. And that wasn't right. I'm like, okay, we're cool. But um, that, that beer was brewed into fermenter number seven or tank seven. And we, we sort of fell in love with the beer, you know, as it was waiting to be transferred down the, the street to become Saison Brett. Um, we, you know, take like a little sample glass or a pint glass. And then soon it was, you know, a thousand milliliter graduated cylinders and pitchers to this and take them out to the patio. People would ask, what are you guys drinking? Oh, it's tank seven. And that's whatever's in tank seven. So we took that to, um, Casey beer fest in October of, would that have been like late 08, I believe in the power light district. And we poured that beer, we cake some by hand and someone asked us, you know, what, what's this dry half saison? What are you calling it? Like, Oh shit, we don't we don't have a name for it. So we said it's Tank Seven. And that sort of became the the operating name for the beer around the brewery. Um when it when it came time to discuss releasing it, uh it was it was given, you know, the branding treatment and, and naming and all that. And the name that it was going to be was the poet of the plains. And I threw I threw a fit, man. I freaked out. I'm like, this beer has a name, this name is Tank Seven. You know, this is something the brewers discovered. We feel very strongly about it. So we, we called a meeting with um Oh, with, with marketing. And I think the CFO was in that conversation and, and lab folks and brewers. And we really pled our case to, to keep the beer called Tank 7. And, and, and we won. So, I mean, I feel looking at the legacy of that beer and what it's become for Boulevard and you know, it's sort of what Boulevard is known for outside of Kansas City. Um, I'm immensely proud of that experience. And just all the opportunities I was given while I was at Boulevard um, translate to me getting to do cool stuff now, you know. It's funny yeah. when, when people found out I wasn't there, they, they really wanted me to go off. And I'm like, I don't have anything to go off about. You know, like I had had an awesome 11 years. Um, I traveled the country. I went everywhere. I drank and ate awesomely. Um, met a lot of really cool people. Got to do a lot of great work on behalf of the brewery. So, yeah, looking back, none of us had any idea what that beer was going to be. You know, it's this dry right. saison. It's 8.5% ABV. Who wants that? You know, we thought it was this really dorky beer but when people started me, coming up to us me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
like in, I was in a bar one night and this really old lady walks up and she goes, I need to tell you, sir, that tank seven kicks ass. And I'm like, Oh my God, I hadn't even thought about you being the target of this fear, you know? Right. So that's it, it awesome is. to hear that story. I, I don't know that I've yeah. ever heard anybody tell the story that really of where, where it came from, but, but what a thing too to, uh, you should be proud because uh, like you said, it's, it's a thing Boulevard's known for outside of Kansas city, but yeah. how many people like that's the debate in Kansas city too, right? Like is take seven, your, your favorite. Right. Yeah, I and mean, yeah, that's I mean, the conversation at every beer snob driveway drink there is. It's, it's still, it's still one of my favorite beers. One of my favorite stories about tank seven, I was in park city, Utah, you know, land of five point, you know, 5.3 beers. And, and I was, I was doing a shoot and I had a bunch of friends from LA and we were at this bar and they had tank seven in the cooler and we bought all of it. I was like, fuck yeah. Nice, yeah. <laughs> you know, Utah, you know, you can't get beer above, you know, five right. and a half percent. So it was, it was, I'm like, they're like, what is this beer? I'm like, some Kansas city bitches. What? This is what Kansas city is about. Still one of my favorite beers. I remember when it first came out, it was in the bomber. Right. Yeah. Just oh my God. Oh my God. That was always a good night. <laughs> it's always a good night. That's crazy. Hey, uh, Nick, are you done with that beer yet? It's probably time for the next mystery. Do I need to? Do I need to? You're probably not. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's part of the part of the the stick. You know what I'm saying? Reach it's not beer with Nigel. It's beers with Nigel, right? Right. Multiple. Yeah, it's beer. Multiple. It's plural. Okay. Plural. Plural. Who we got here? Uh oh. He was a little concerned when I came to his house and dropped out beer. So we'll see what happens. Well, there's been a lot of posting lately on the socials about the pickle beers. And that frightens me a little bit. He's uh, Jeremy. He's, he doesn't like pickles in food his beer. The, food of the devil. Well, I mean, if, if you don't like pickles, pickle beer is probably not your thing. No. <laughs> no. Uh, we got an, an alma mater here. Oh, nice. Pillar, German style Pilsner. Or is it Pilar? I don't know what Pilar. it was called. I'm going to say Pilar. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I done went to college. I'm going to go Pillar. Nice. Who, who's the voice out of here? That, was that the small roommate? <laughs> he's yeah, he's back there. Yeah. He's how like, how's he doing? He's good. How's he man. doing? He broke his arm on Monday, man. He's having a rough time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got the uh the full arm cast all the way up to the shoulder, like rookie of the year or whatever. And yeah. Yeah, some funky butt loving. Um <laughs> yeah, he is a, he's a madman and he he went to jump off a piece of playground equipment and the last thing I said to him before he did it was be careful, bro. And uh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Words worse to live by. Be hey, careful, Nigel, bro. what's rule number one? Uh, rule number, well, he, yeah, rule number one is don't die. So yeah. he didn't he didn't violate that. He didn't die, right? Yeah. That was always my rule. Yeah, when I played like beer league softball, rule number one, don't get hurt. Rule number yeah. two, uh, yeah. have fun. Rule number three, drink beer. And then try to win was like rule number 17, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, our, our rules are rule number one, don't die. Rule number two, and you'll appreciate this one. It's pretty simple. Don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, really what do you got there, Nick? Well, that's the pillar. That's good. Oh, what do you, you, just, that's your, your, uh, your estimation of it. It's good. Yeah. It's good. But speaking of, that's, I want Nick, more. How's that? How's that? It's good, and I want go. more. Jeremy, let's talk oh, that's about a your very uh, easy drinking after the, after the, the black. Yeah, beer. that's a good beer. Very good beer. So, so Jeremy, you you've kind of grown up in the Kansas City beer scene. I mean, you've seen, you know, you you were with the OG, 
yep. and you've kind of seen all the things that have happened in the last five to seven years. What, what's, what's your, what's your impression of what's happened here? It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. I mean, for the longest time, the only package beer that you could get in Kansas city was, was Boulevard. Um, 75th street years ago did some, some runs with like Pony Express. Remember those guys, they were based out in Olathe and they're very, yeah. I think they're very flooded is ultimately what, uh, you know, caused them to close. But yeah, there, there just wasn't any packaged beer. And I remember like I'd, I'd travel, you know, for vacation, travel for work and go somewhere like Portland or Fort Collins even. And there's like 15 breweries everywhere. And you're like, dude, when is this going to happen in Kansas City? What's going on? Right. And a lot of us, you know, me especially, I was just like begging for the opportunity to root for and support new breweries in Kansas City. And I, and I just really wanted people to open, you know, something big. And there were, you know, there were a few projects that happened. Um, like Doodle Brewing opened for a little bit. That's that's Nick, who's the head brewer down at um, Martin City now. And that didn't last very long. And there were a couple other, you know, small like half barrel to, to one and a half, two barrel breweries. But nobody was really, and, and not to say that they weren't committing by doing that, because I know that starting any business is insane. It's um, obviously I'm chicken shit, otherwise I would have done it, you know? Um, so, so no disrespect meant to those or, guys. Or smart. Or, or, or smart, yeah. <laughs> or maybe maybe I I have so little money that I know that I can't ever gather the money required to open a brewery. So I just didn't try, you know? Um, but when like Crane and Martin City and Casey Beerco all opened kind of right around the same time, I think Crane might've come a little bit after those guys, but yeah. Martin City opened one night and then I think Casey Beerco opened the next night. It was like two nights in a row those guys opened. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, 10 years down the road and we have 30-ish breweries in Kansas City. It's exciting, man. And for the most part, everyone's making really good beer too. Um, you know, there, there are some that started out kind of rough, but they figured it out. They found their way. Right. Um, I think in doing so, a brewery like, like a brewery like Crane or a brewery like Casey Bierko, I think they're really smart in, in what they decided to do. They said, this is what we enjoy brewing. This is what we're good at brewing. This is what we're going to make and carved out a niche versus like sometimes a brewery opens up like, oh, what kind of beers are you going to make? All kinds of beer. Like, well, <laughs> All the beers. <laughs> pick one. Like, tell me what you're excited to make and you know, tell me what, what's sort of your, your goal with opening that brewery. And, and I think those guys were very smart in doing that. And then, you know, seeing more, seeing more brew pubs open up. I remember when, uh, when City Barrel opened, I was reading in Beer Tasting KC, people were so confused by it. They're like, well, there's tables and people are eating. I don't know what yeah. to do. And it's like, how did you forget yeah. about brew pubs? <laughs> they, like, they've forgotten because people have just been going to tasting rooms where there's no food. And like, well, can I sit at the table and just drink? Yes, you can. Just sit at the table. <laughs> they, they were so thrown away by the, or so blown away by the, the restaurant aspect of it that they were, they were really confused by it. Um, but yeah, what I dig now is, is all the collaboration and sort of cross-pollination that occurs with breweries, you know, either it's employees going from one brewery to another and, and learning something new or, you know, like what Sterling did going from Boulevard to Imperial. I mean, that, that's, that's a dream thing to do is to work at a brewery where, you know, you know so much and have access to really cool equipment and see like, you know, you're, you have access to the best technology to make the best beer possible. Um, and then applying that to a smaller, a smaller brewery where you can do whatever you want to as well. That's, that's right. the dream. You know, I never thought I'd want to go back to work for uh, a, a smaller brewery until I got, you know, a few more years into Boulevard and really saw what happened on the marketing side, on the, on the sales side and innovation. You know, I wasn't just making work in a, in a brew house any longer. I was sort of, you know, seeing things go from conception to release and all the steps along the way. And 
that, that's, that's really exciting when you figure all that out and, and have the opportunity to, to impact change and you know, move a smaller brewery forward. But um, to answer the question, sorry, I like to ramble. Um, to, You're good. I, yeah, I think, I think what's <laughs> happening right now is people are really, they're in it. And beer has, it's reached the mainstream. And you don't, you know, there are still guys who will never, ever try craft beer. People like to say that guys like you and I and Nick, that we're beer snobs because we drink all this weird beer or whatever. But it's the guy who drinks Bud Light all day, every day, who won't even try a can of Full Life if I hand it to him. Those guys are the beer snobs. So that's fair. It's, it's very fair. strange. And, and I'm not saying we should give up and stop trying to reach them. They're the but same like, guys who still buy the all white Reeboks every right. two years at the shoe store. <laughs> That's my shoe, man. That's my shoe. And, and I'm, a, I'm a size shoe, 10 and a half A. Size if they get rid of shoe, I'm going to cut my feet off because I'm never going to wear shoes again, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, people are, they're opening real breweries with ambitions and they want to, they want to distribute beer and they want to see their beer on tap around town. And at the same time, um, you know, Alma Mater wants to do what they want to do. And obviously, you know, COVID has changed everybody's business model. But those guys are right. thriving in, in doing what they want to do. And they sell all the beer from there. And they control all the, the beer and the quality chain. And they keep all the money. And that's that's beautiful, man. You're yeah, still on that good. on that marketing side now, right? I mean, kind of. Um, I, do, I do the Twitter for Four Hands, which is always funny when people tag Four Hands thinking they're going to get me in trouble. Um, like, oh, does Four Hands know? Like, yeah, bro, that's me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know. Um, but yeah, so, so I'm doing some social media for the brewery. Um, I'm writing sell sheets. I'm doing some website copy. Um, and then, you know, as a sales rep, yeah, that, that job is marketing as well. And the way that you, you know, conduct yourself and present yourself and host events and the way you organize those and, and, and promote. I mean, it's, it's very much, um, you know, many hats in this one role. Which was, you I missed think, the, the so, brewery? You know, I do. Um, I miss, I miss being able to go to the physical brewery every day. Um, and that's weird. You know, I'm four hours away from forehand. So I see all these cool things happening and I'm like, I would like that beer. I would like to go to this event. <laughs> you know, I, I want to hang out and you know, if people like, Oh, Dan, this beer is so great. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to have it. I will, I will never get to have that beer. So I'm glad you're having it. Um, they won't let you have it. What the hell? Well, no, I mean, like, the things that, the things you don't that have a COVID over, courier. Yeah. They're like, it's a city fish posh. Um, the things that, that happen out there are cool, but I, I still talk to Kevin Limp, our founder and president, a lot. That makes me feel connected. But yeah, having that having that physical space to go to every day to reconnect you uh, it is a really cool thing. And then having sort of that social aspect of being in the marketing office with a bunch of great people, I, I do miss that. But at the same time, I don't um, I don't have any regrets at all. I don't I don't ever wish I wasn't with four hands and I was back there just because I'm, I'm at a completely new point in my life and. I'm I'm really enjoying learning what a sales guy does and how, you know, how I can leverage, you know, my influence and my reputation or lack thereof and my experiences in Kansas city to help us, you know, the, the first thing I have to do is generate awareness um, and then try to get people right. to buy the beer. But there are a lot of people who've never heard of four hands and that's great. Cause then I, I have a chance to introduce them to the brewery in, in the way that I'd like to introduce them to it. And I, I control their perception of the brewery in, in the way that I talk to them about it. So that's a really cool opportunity to have, you know, almost daily. Here's the, here's the really okay. important question. When you do go to the home office in St. Louis, do you wear your Royals and Chiefs gear? You know, I, I don't oh, wear football go. at all. I know, I know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about that. 
<laughs> I, I, he's, a, he's a he's a huge Royals fan. This is no, going yeah, back. No, and I, yeah, and I wear my I wear my Kansas City stuff, my Royals hat all the time. I when right before I started, we took a family trip over and we went to a, a game at Bush Stadium. Um, we had some some barbecue before the game and went to the game. And I wanted to wear this. Um, I have a Charlie Hustle shirt that says um, 1985 World Champions on it. Yes. And my wife's like, no. No. Oh, boo. Like, you're meeting some of your new coworkers for the first time. You're not going to go in and start a bunch of shit. I, like, I'm a St. Louis uh, instigator, so I, I would have yeah, said yeah, 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 yeah. So he, he, he has a problem with St. Louis Cardinals fans. So, you know, that's, yeah, that's just that. Go ahead, man. Him and Pickles. St. Louis fans and Pickles, he, he don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I've started plenty of shit since then, but she was probably right. Like, roll in and be cool. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm proud of the Royals, regardless of the record. It's, it's a great organization. I have a lot of good friends, um, you know, who work in different roles within the team. And I'm, I'm really proud of the Royals and I'm proud of, you know, my connection to the team. So, so you've made that transition to four hands. So how's that been for you? What's a, obviously it's a different role than what you were doing at Boulevard. Have you learned some things? Well, how, what's it been like for you? Yeah. I mean, the first couple of weeks I just felt lost, you know, I, I was happy to have a job. Um, but I, I, I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, I've been on sales calls before, you know, traveling with Boulevard, but I've not really conducted the business of a sales rep. So I didn't know like, what, what do I do when I go in? And it, it turns out that you, you don't really do it's it, If you think about it that way, if you think about like, I am now working, I am doing a trick. You're going to screw it up. Um, so I just went in and my, my boss, a uh, guy named Heath Manson, I'm sure you guys have met. He told me, just go be you, you know, take some beers in and taste them. And, before you leave, make sure to ask them to buy them, you know, and that's, it, it's a weird thing because before I wasn't really asking for the sale when I was representing right. accounts, you know, I would go in and put the warm fuzzies and hang out with buyers or distributor reps or whatever and have a good time. But then, you know, the sales rep would later come back and say, Hey, so you want to buy that beer? Um, so now I'm doing that. Um, but then also like, I'm not much of a numbers guy. So I've, I've had to learn, you know, to look, a little more analytically at, at some data that we have and, and look at trends and see what's selling where and what's not. And so it's, it's really, for me, it's like getting the right beer to the right place at the right time. Um, we have an amazing beer called cast iron Brown uh, that I love, but I'm not going to try to sell that uh, to a bar that runs a big patio in the summer. Cause that sounds like torture to sit and drink. Do you want an oatmeal Brown right now? No, I don't want an oatmeal Brown. right now. <laughs> uh, that sounds terrible. So really, really sort of, you know, picking out, where and which beers I, I want us to be is, is kind of fun. The, the real question is how, why is it so hard to get street soda in Kansas city? <laughs> Dude, it's so, well, here's the thing. Um, there are several beers that if we wanted to keep them in St. Louis and sell them all, we could, you know, so and it, it's, it's hard to fight that, especially things like street soda that go so fast. So um, yeah, we would get limited drops over here and that beer would go so fast. And I think, I mean, it, it's the same thing that I say every day that makes my job easy is beer is so damn good. It's really my job to not mess it up and not get in the way of the beer. But yeah, that beer is, it is so good, man. Because it shows up in Kansas City and it's like gone yeah. immediately. It's gone. I, immediately. I've never had it. And I, I feel like I have a bit of hold in, a hole in my heart because people love it. It's so good. It is very good. Yeah. The, it turns out uh, Corey King and the guys at Side Project and Shared, are, they know how to make beer. Yeah, there's, there's that, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, so, but you can't, Nick. You can't hate hate St. Louis all the way, bro. Just say no. there's some good beers over there. No, it's well, just St. Louis fans. I might try, but no, <laughs> no, yeah. You, you. <laughs> I am more of an instigator than a hater. 
Eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I like so, to cause uh, a little havoc. Uh, speaking of cause, causing havoc, uh, oh, you know, Jeremy, Jeremy is one of my one of my favorite Twitter Twitter followers. Uh, uh, follows. Um, what is it with with Twitter that? What do you like about Twitter? Because that's my that's my favorite social media. What is it yeah. about Twitter that you like? People are crazy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna start are, with that. We live in an insane society, dude. It is wild. Um, and I think Twitter is really good at coaxing the extremes out of people. Like yeah. You, you rarely read a tweet and go, oh, that's a fairly moderate measured take. Okay. You're always like, what the hell? Or you're like, yes, I, I love this take. Um, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of in-between on, on Twitter. Um, what I like about it though is that if no matter what you're into, you know, we're into beer, but if you're into baseball or if you're into cross stitch or sneakers, someone in the world is out there talking about it right now and they want to talk with you about it and you know share their passion on that. So like that's what I think is so great about Twitter. But then something that I think is really cool is the access that you can get to, you know, people that you really admire or um, you know, celebrities or baseball players or musicians or or whoever, they're they're there and they'll reply to you because they think that's cool too. It's a great way for them to interact with fans. So like I get really dorked out when Jason Isbell likes one of my tweets because he's a genius. <laughs> you read his tweets and like, of course you're a writer. Your tweets are brilliant. Um, but it's like um, it's like for that one, like, you know, they say the the sun shines on every dog's butt one day of the year, you know? Right. Like that's, that's like Jason Isbell liking a tweet or Margot Price or someone or the Royals player following me, like that's sunshine on my butt for sure. And, and that's cool that you can have this, this interaction with them that's not super guarded. Everyone's sort of who they are on Twitter for the most part. And, and I've decided to just be unapologetically me uh, on Twitter because I think that's what I'm best at is being me. You know, when you, when you try to be somebody else, you usually fail. Um, but yeah, I, I love the passion that people bring to Twitter and I hate the passion that people bring to Twitter, you know? <laughs> no, you're, no, you're, def- you're definitely you on Twitter, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I can I can see that that love hate though because it, it is great that everybody just kind of brings it and then just as a writer I get a little annoyed sometimes because it's it's everybody trying for the drop the mic moment. Sure. And and look, you know, seven percent of us are that smart to ever get the real drop the mic line, right? right, right. <laughs> no, it's it's funny, man. When people think they're going to dunk on me, and I'm like, oh man, if you're going <laughs> to, you're, you're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if you're going to shoot the devil, give them a tempo. This. Yeah, you got to be. <laughs> You got to bring your game, dude. Otherwise, it's it's not going to be good for you. Yeah, what one of my highlights of Twitter uh, was when uh, I follow Ice T, mm-hmm. and I I posted something and he liked it. I was like, oh shit, Ice T liked my tweet. He knows how to lie, right? It's like yeah, I'm like, um, <laughs> it's like when you watch like the teenage angst movie and the really the really dorky girl is like, the quarterback knows my name. You're like, oh my god, <laughs> Margot Price knows I'm alive. <laughs> There was a lot of that, you know, like back in 14 and 15 when the Royals, you know, were on their postseason runs. I think, you know, everybody was following all the Royals players and just, you know, hoping for that one like or retweet. Yeah, just any acknowledgement. It's, 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 um, yeah. like everybody went after Duffy, right? Like, cause yeah. he, he, his, before he left social media, his Twitter was legendary. What I liked about his, his social media, he, he was the realest of the real. Mm-hmm. He was out there every day, but I think he let it get to him too much. Right. Like there are times where, you know, somebody will say like, I don't know how you handle, you know, people saying the things they say to you. And I go, I don't care. You know, 
I just, I don't care if we have nothing in common and we don't follow each other and you think that I'm wrong about something great. I, I don't care. You know, like I want to have a conversation, but it, when it's evident that nothing's going to happen, the conversation is not going to go anywhere. You just have to bail and, and get out. You know, you can't, you can't waste your time on something or someone who, who doesn't want to be, who doesn't want to change or doesn't want to have that conversation. And I'm, I'm not going to force people into that with me. I just, I mute a lot of people, man. I mute and block like it's my job. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I like in Twitter too. Back in the day, we used to call them email bullies where you yeah. would send a terse email. And, you know, if you, if you were in person, you would never say that shit. That's, right. that's Twitter. Right. You know, I'm like, really, you know, you've, you've never thrown a punch. You can't take a punch. Yeah. But, you know, you can hide behind your, you know, your meme or emoji or whatever. So, you know, that's Twitter for me. But I still enjoy it, you know, because you get to follow who you want to follow. Yeah, yeah, there's some dicks on that. But, you know, there's dicks in real life. So there's that. Yep. You said, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to think about it and, and really curate it to you to enhance your experience that you want to have. You know, if you follow someone that makes you angry every day, quit following them. Stop it. You know. Hello. <laughs> right. Hello. You you can't you can make them go away. Yeah, like when, when people are like, oh, it, it hurts when I do this. Well, stop doing that. Stop hurting yourself. You know? <laughs> stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. I just cracked open uh, uh, Southern Tears Orange Creamsicle. Is that the Creamsicle? Yes. Yeah. I, that's been one of my favorites lately. I've, ha- I've had that oh, several you, times I, lately. I don't think I've had it, so, but I'm going to try it. I like it. Wow, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, it reminds me of something that either service would do. Yeah, it reminds me of something that service would do. Hey, I don't know. It's if good. Know, I don't know if you know this or not. I'm a service fanboy. Yeah, he's yeah. He's he's a, he's a lover. He's a, a love accordion. Every time I give him a service beer, he pretty much wets his pants. So they're, <laughs> they're great <laughs> beers. They are good. You might want to see a doctor, but they are good beers. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm a mid I'm a mid forties white guy. We don't go to the doctor. No, you should, man. <laughs> that's, that's hey, hey a, Jeremy. I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Nick? No. Did I cut you off? Nothing important. Uh, so one of the things we always talk about it, it, on the show is uh, diversity in craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been in the game for a long time. You, you see Kansas City. You've been to a lot of tap rooms. Um, you know, I think we're past the point of we know it's not diverse. I think we've <laughs> kind of figured that out. Um, we're, you know, I, I think now is to the point where, you know, we talk about whose responsibility is it to, you know, because my estimation is that most breweries, the smaller ones, they're all small. You know, they're they're about the business of making a beer and, and running a business. It's hard to go out and be, you know, they're not Boulevard. They don't they don't, they don't do commercials. They don't do promotion that sort of thing. What do you th- what do you think would would make craft beer more diverse in in our city? White people have to recognize that the the problem with race race relations right now is is our problem. It's the problem that, that we created and that we've uh, we've fostered that culture. And for too long, good people have remained silent about it because they didn't want to make people uncomfortable or they were worried about losing their own jobs. And um, we can't, it's, it's wrong to expect the people who are oppressed by systemic racism to fix it as well. You know, like it, it's just wrong. And it's also, and I appreciate what you do online, Nigel, but it's also, it's not your job to educate white people as to the microaggressions that take place every day. So I think the first thing white people have to say is 
this is our fault. We own and recognize this. And there's, there's nothing that we can do that will make things of the past right. You know, I, I've, I've read a lot of stuff lately and just absolutely horrific stuff happened um, because of white people. And we can't take those things back, but recognizing that like, this is not the way moving, this is not the way. We have to stop right now and dedicate ourselves to moving forward dedicated that idea that the craft beer and everything really but in, in this conversation you know craft beer needs to be people use the word welcoming a lot and that's great but i don't think it means shit either um you know you can you can say i, I welcome everyone and then they show up and do you right. really welcome them let's see how this goes um it needs to be inviting <clears throat> it needs to be you know self-searching <clears throat> and self-evaluating i i explain the difference of, of welcoming and inviting this is you know this has been said many, many times. <clears throat> Pardon me. If I were throwing a party, say I, I threw a party last night, and and Nick says, "Hey, did did Nigel come to your party?" No. Nah. Well, why not? Did, didn't you invite him? No, but he was welcome. <laughs> no, I, I That's invite, fair. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't perform the action of inviting you to that party. Right. And then you know, craft breweries will say, "Well," um, and and this is something I've, I've heard said before. People say, you know. Um, People of color or minorities, you know, certain groups, they, they don't buy craft beer because they can't afford it. And that is not racist true. bullshit. Yeah, that's not true. The reason that more minorities aren't buying craft beer is that we're not marketing it to them. We're not we're not meeting them in their place. We're expecting minorities to come to our place. And that's not right. inviting either. That's not how that works. So you have to go to those communities and actively, you know, seek them out to bring them into the fold and make sure they feel welcome. Because we can say we're welcome all we want. But if you walk into a brewery on a Thursday night and no one there looks like you, you're not going to feel welcome. That's not comfortable. Um, and it could be the cap room could be full of 50 of the coolest white people on the planet. But there's still that, that thing that's going to happen. And until breweries or businesses and, and white people accept that this is our problem to fix, nothing's going to happen. Do you think that's... Yeah, it's, it's... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. No, go ahead, think... run. <laughs> Hey, hey, Nigel, we let the white guy go first. <laughs> go ahead, bro. <laughs> Do you think that's uh, a a similar response on the on the business side of things? We've talked a lot uh, with with previous guests about about you know there there aren't black brewers. We just we just in Kansas City have our first you know person of color as an assistant brewer, right? That is right. Um, you know, so I mean, do you think there also needs to be a lot more? action as far as go out and, 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 and welcome and invite that, that those in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if you look at breweries, they're very white. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewing. Oh yeah. I just his, talked about him a little bit. In, in launching his <laughs> Michael Jackson foundation, um, you know, he's, he said the entire time he's run Brooklyn Brewery, he's never once gotten an application from, yeah. from a black person to be yeah. a brewer. It's crazy. That's crazy. my mind. Because yeah. I would think if you're if you're in New York and you're black and you're into beer, like shit, I want to work with Garrett Oliver. He's the man. You would think that that would be, you know, that would be something that you'd want to do. But then you realize that we're we're not actively seeking out, you know, um, black people and, and minorities to work in breweries. We're just taking whatever gets applied. We're not recruiting, right. you know. So we're getting, you know, stacks and stacks of applications from white people. And and accepting, well, we did our job. We cast our net. No, you didn't. You know, you didn't. You didn't look very well. 
you, you put up an application online or posted a job opening, but you didn't actively seek people of color to apply for those positions. So it, I, I don't have the answers to that. It's a challenge. I know. Um, yeah. Because you, I gotta be careful here because you want people, you want to hire the most qualified person for each job that you have always. But I think what people fail to realize is that you can train people to do whatever job you want them to do or whatever job they want to do. And if people have the desire to work hard and the desire to be part of a team and they are intelligent, things that you can't teach, you can mold them into the perfect employee, regardless of their, you know, uh, ethnic or gender or socioeconomic background. You, you can find people from diverse communities to, to be a part of whatever it is you're doing if you, if you get up and actively look for that. And, and that's the problem is, and especially right now, it's tough. You know, everyone's just thinking about what am I going to do to stay open for the next four months or what am I going to right. do? People aren't thinking, you know, like in five years, this is what I would like my workforce to look like. They don't have that luxury right now. But I think if you if you don't look at expanding not only the marketing of, of what you're doing to appeal to minorities and people of color, you're not going to survive. You know, craft beer, you know, like there's only so many white people in this world. <laughs> my son's in the background now. Yeah. He's been wanting to get on your What up? What up, small um, roommate? <laughs> there so we go. Look at this, the cast. Yeah. Uh, but, but if you're not doing those things, you're not going to continue to grow. You know, like there's there's a big piece of the pie that's still out there because we haven't done a good job of positioning yeah. craft beer to people who don't look like me. Yeah. Is that anything that you, and I, I put you on the spot a little bit here, is that anything that you think about as you are a rep? You are a forward-facing representative for a brewery. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. Um, I absolutely think about that. Um, you know, back when, when tastings were a thing, I wanted to do, and, and once, you know, liquor store tasting become a thing again, I, I want to do a liquor store tasting in an area that people would go, why, why would you go there? Well, that's where, and again, that's meeting people in their place where they are, yeah. you know, like yeah. I enjoy doing tastings in Waldo. It's great, but I need to go to different parts of the city and I need to go to different stores where, you know, the, the majority of the clientele identifies as a minority. And I think, I think as, as humans, we say, we say no for other people a lot. Um, you know, like, and, and this is not related to, to race or gender at all, but you think about like being in middle school and there's that really cute girl that you want to be your girlfriend or whatever. And you're like, Oh, she'll never say yes. Well, no, not with that attitude. She won't. Um, and, and you're, you're self-defeating and you're like, Oh, they don't want to drink this beer. And you said no for them. And you have to give people the chance right. to try the beer. And I think if you're making good beer, um, I mean, everyone tastes things differently, but like there's nothing predisposed about the genetic makeup of someone that makes them like craft beer or not like craft beer. It's just that it hasn't been marketed to them. They haven't been given the opportunity to try it. It hasn't been appropriately introduced to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that's something I'd like to do once once things open back up and, you know, liquor store tastings are a thing again, is I would like to go into liquor stores where, you know, people will tell me that it doesn't make sense to go. And I'd love to prove them wrong. Hell yeah. I, I love that. Cause you know, my whole thing is like, like where Boulevard is and where Alma Mater is, you know, those are minority neighborhoods. Yeah. Right. But you, you don't see minorities in those, in those places. And you know, for me as a minority, I'm like, why is that? I mean, right. and, and, and I get it. You know, I, I have a bunch of friends who own these breweries and they're busy doing what they do. Uh, but it, I, I guess maybe, maybe the, 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 I have an issue with Boulevard on one level because they have the resources to be able to do the outreach 
And I've never seen that happen. You know, I mean, nobody else is doing commercials. Boulevard does commercials, right? right. It, it, you know, for, for me, and I love Boulevard. And I love that beer hall. And I walk up in there and I have no problem. You know, I'm one of those weird people. And I don't give a fuck who's in there. Sure. I mean, it's, it, it's generally, it's me and a couple other brothers that might work there, right? right? And that's it. And to me, you know, they have the resources and, you know, the, the, the cachet to, to go into these neighborhoods and be like, let's, let's broaden our, our field of view. Because I, as I told all my brewery friends, is that we're missing money. Let's just keep it real. You're missing money. Yeah. You're, we're, we're very segmented. It's very narrow. Kansas City is 28% black. Yeah, I don't know what the percentage of Latino is, but you know, you know, I tell this story all the time. You know where where Alma Mater is? It's right there on Southwest Boulevard. And I talked to Nick, and he was like, "I'd never have anybody Hispanic come in here. Maybe once in a while, and that's that shouldn't be a thing in that neighborhood, right? Right. So you know, you know, you know. Again, we all, we talk about this every week. Fuck COVID, because I'm with you. Where <laughs> I where I. I had plans to go and, you know, because I have a lot of commitments for breweries to be like, hey, you want to go pour some beer, we'll give you the beer. You know, yeah. maybe go to 18th and Vine, wherever, do these places where, again, you get people who have never, don't even know Alma Mater is a thing. Right. And they're like, oh, this, this is our neighborhood. What the hell? So I'm with you on that. So when 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 the shit blows over, I'm on your team, bro. <laughs> Because I, I, that's right, that's right up my, that's right up my alley. Because I think there's there's a lot of opportunity in Kansas City that we're missing. Oh, that, for sure. You know, there, you know, the reason I do what I do is is because you know there's opportunity not only for the breweries but for people to to you know experience shit that's being made in their backyard. I mean, who doesn't like to support local? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a huge thing right there. This is this is this is handmade. Right in your backyard. Let's share able, it with you. Yeah, being able to walk to the bar is the coolest thing ever, too, because then you don't have to drive home. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the neighborhood, the neighborhood brewers have a real opportunity to do that for sure. Uh, I think that's the greatest thing about I, to me the rise in the in the microbreweries is the neighborhood bars, just those tap rooms. That's what makes it work. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so so Jeremy, when you say walk to the bar. I can leave my house. I can go downstairs. <laughs> Forty-two steps. I'm at Grains and Taps. <laughs> yeah, that, I literally. That, yeah, and I can go. I can go like, two blocks. I'm at Fridge. Yeah, it's 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 a horrible life. I tell you. Do you know that there's an old but, joke about a, a guy saying it, it takes him it takes me about two minutes to walk to the brewery, and it takes me about ten minutes to walk home, and the difference is staggering. <laughs> <laughs> you know i that, love that's that, that uh, he mixed in dad joke and beer joke all yeah. into one <laughs> that's awesome that's <laughs> so, so jeremy you know you you're you're a beer guy you've been in the beer game for a long time do you have like a style that you like gravitate to what's what's your thing you know i, I don't know if i have a style i have a set of characteristics that i enjoy um so i, I enjoy beers that are dry Typically enjoy beers that are lower ABV. Um, a little bit of acidity is nice. Um, some funk is cool. A little bit of hop character. So like um, when when BKS and I don't I don't I can't remember the names of the beers, but they'll do like this really lightly dry hop farmhouse ale that has mm -hmm. a touch of acidity. Like that's what I want to drink all day. So like 
maybe saisons is, is what I really like, but um, I, I drink a lot of different beer, man, and I, I don't find myself drinking the same style a ton. Um, right here lately, I've been drinking a lot of hazy IPAs just because <clears throat> I don't enjoy bitterness as much as I used to. When I, when I first started drinking craft beer, I wanted things that were ten and a half ABV and 130 IBUs, and I just wanted to melt my face. <laughs> and then I realized there, there's a time and place for that, and that time and place is not every day, all day. Um, right. But yeah, like just really well-made IPAs I dig. Um, I like Pilsners quite a bit, especially the yeah. ones that skew a little more towards the hoppy side. Yeah. It, it's so funny to me that people, um, they think they're so daring when they say, oh, I like lagers. Yeah, so does everybody, dude. Like the entire, <laughs> yeah, like 85% right, of your sold is a light lager. Yeah. Right, <laughs> right exactly. But it's so funny. Like that's the, like that's a brave statement you can make in beer. Oh, yeah, I like Pilsners. Um, but yeah, so like, <laughs> That, that's kind of my type or those characteristics. But yeah, I don't, I don't really, if you look at my fridge, I have, you know, all sorts of styles in there. I like free beer so a lot. I like free beer a lot. I love Hello. free beer. It's so good. You know, I, I will say that, you know, a good pills there or a good lager, you know, because obviously the macros do that. Sure. But a good craft one. I mean, even the one that Nick has at that, that, uh, Pilar, I mean, it's super solid. Um, you know, shout out to Nick Mater because, you know, that's, you know, you can't hide anything in that beer. No, no, there's, there's nowhere yeah. to hide at all. Yeah. If it's I'm fucked up, it's fucked up. Microphone? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Oh, I, I had it. It's like when you're getting ready to sneeze <laughs> and you're like, eh, eh. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like the, the small roommate put his, did one of those on you. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I grabbed the mic and then I, I, I couldn't do it, man. It was gone. I lost it. I mean, Opportunity that's, lost. That's, did you crack open a new beer or are you still drinking the same one? No, I grabbed a can of our uh, pineapple seltzer. Okay. I mean, that's fair. Uh, Junior, he's drinking a, a four hands pineapple seltzer. Uh, shout out to Junior. because he, he Junior! Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> I just feel like I have to have two or three of those an episode. Well, you know, since he, you know, he was like, I need to know what the beers are just for you, Junior. One of these days we're going to get him on here. He, ref- he, he said he doesn't want to do it, but he's yeah, a really in- yeah. interesting, in- interesting guy. And he let, I mean, he's, he's the guy that, you know, probably eight months ago, he said, you know, he's, he's Latino and all his family drank was Budweiser. And he, he's been coming to Windshift where I work and has got as an acquired acquired a taste for IPAs and sours and stouts. He's like, I never knew this was a thing. That was terrible. That was a terrible perp. Look, that was, that was, that was exponentially better than what you had earlier in the episode. You, you know what? I'm pretty sure the small roommate could beat that. Look, the small ones are always going to win that contest. I have so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, you're the the small roommate is destined destined to be uh, to be famous. He should have he should have his own podcast. The small roommate. Well, he has a YouTube channel, and he'll tell you about it. With Does he food. really? Yeah. Um, we we have a few videos up where we eat um, we do spicy foods. We we taste the <laughs> that that hot. It is it's like a it's a weapon. That hot sauce is not pleasant. Um, we did a video trying the different uh, like the Harry Potter awful jelly beans. Nice. They, they suck so bad. Oh man, it's brutal. 
What's the name of the of, of the uh, YouTube channel? We don't we don't have a fancy name right now. If you just search Jeremy Danner, you'll you'll find it. Um, okay. But, but yeah, we've we've done some videos up up there, and he'll get in the mood to do a video, and then he'll decide oh, I don't want to do it. He, he clams up. So when when inspiration I mean, strikes, you got to grab the camera and go. I mean, yes. I, mean I know. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean you know, that's that's a creative for you. He's a creative. He's like, no, not right now. I'm not feeling it. I'm good. Right, right. Give me some space, he, Dad. <laughs> He's owned, he, he wants to own his rights. Okay. <laughs> my my boy, he he writes, and but he says he, he the stories are for him, not for others. <laughs> so so Jeremy, around Kansas City, there's a lot of breweries. You talked about BKS. Um, you don't have to give me a favorite, but the, are there some breweries you enjoy? Yeah, I mean, I think I think right now Allamater is probably my favorite. Um, they're just such they're such good people, and the beers are so great, and I enjoy. Oh, they're awesome! That. They're so awesome people. Um, I like City Bureau quite a bit. I like to, you know, I like their fruited sours. Those are fun. Um, when when KCBC is normal, and I can take my you know my son there, I like to go hang out in the backyard and drink just the biggest glass of beer they'll pour me. You know, they ask me if <laughs> doing a moss. That's spooks. Yeah, right. <laughs> the biggest beer that you'll hand me. Um, so those are the ones that I, I go to most often. Um, it's tough. I, I want to go to breweries more, but when I'm out selling beer all day and drinking beer all day, I just want to go home at night, man. And I want to hang out. And right. obviously that's what we're all doing right now is going home and, and hanging out. But yeah. Those are probably, those, those are my top favorites, but um, there's just, there's so much good beer in Kansas city right now. And, and there wasn't yeah. before, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's so overwhelming. How, yeah. So how, you know, I know you have a cutout at the Royals, How's this been for you not being able to go to games? And I know that was your thing, man. It sucks, dude. It that is my thing. That's my favorite thing in the world to do is is go to the ball game with you know my family or some friends and have a beer out there. It's funny, my so there's 30 home games. So my cutout will be at 30 games, which is four less than I went to last year. So wow. Even even, even though my cutout will be at every game, yeah, I did 34 last year, and I just I just love being out there. It's the best, man. Yeah. What does a small roommate have to say about that? <laughs> too, man. Uh, you know, I keep track of how many games he's been to. Um, and, and, you know, I, I keep a record of who we played, who I went with, and if we won or lost. So he's at like, I think he's been like 126 Royals games at this point. Wow. You know, I, 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 I love that because this is where I failed. I'm a huge baseball fan. Love the Royals. My son, who's now 13, hates baseball. No. <laughs> Hey, yeah, you're, 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 you're fired as a father. <laughs> I know. I'm a what is the what, are, what is the small roommate's actual name? His name is uh, Cooper. What up, Cooper? So we Will Cooper to, be in Cooperstown? Maybe someday, man. Who knows? Uh, he, he plays soccer, though. That's the sport he likes to play, but he does like to watch. Oh, right on. Hey, yeah. yeah, that's that's the best sport ever, dude. Uh, you do that, now you're playing to the British guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted to give him a uh, a beer name though, so we and, and we like the idea of job names as well, you know, like Sawyer or Miller or all that sort of stuff. Right. So we, we landed on Cooper and thought that was a cool name and call him Coop a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's close enough to British. It's fine. <laughs> so, 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 brother, uh, what happened to your podcast? I loved it. What happened? You know. I, it sort of fell off the radar because I was doing all my recording at 610 in the studio. Gotcha. And I, th I think people are starting to go back into the studio now for shows. And 
I need to get back on that. Um, it was fun. Oh my God. It was great. It was and, great. And um, my, go ahead. Sorry. No, you said it was what? It was selfish. No, no. Selfishly. It's fun because I get, oh. to, I get, I get to sit down and talk to these people that I have a ton of respect for that do cool things in the city. And I get them all to myself for 45 minutes. When we hang out and have a beer. That's enjoyable yeah. on its own. And then yeah. to walk away having this conversation to share is, is this added bonus, you know? So, uh, it's, what's it called? Uh, I, I love this town, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So awesome. if, you know, awesome. kids, if you, you can, you can, you can go back and listen to them. You get some great guests. Um, one of my favorite things is, uh, the, the Kansas city table, right? Is it what it's called? Yeah. The Kansas city table. I, I want it to be, I was inspired by when people ask folks for like their death row meal. Like, like what do you want before you get executed? But that's really dark. Yeah. That is like that, that's a mood that I don't want to go to. So I, I changed it to be a Kansas city table. And basically the table's as big as you need it to be to hold all your food and drinks. But like, if you're putting together this ultimate Kansas city meal, what's on the table? Wow. So, that's a so tough answer. It, it is. Yeah. I'm going to spend some time on that. Well, so as we, as we wrap this up, what, what would your table be, Jeremy? Oh shit! Okay, uh, <laughs> <laughs> see how I did. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a tough question because there's a lot of stuff out there, man. Um, I I when I when I build this table, or you know, some guests are talking about it, they want to start with dessert. Um, so I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some pie from Rye on there. Um, okay. The the pies that that Megan has created are insane. Um, her her lemon uh, lemon cream pie is nuts. Like. I, I called her a, like a citrus witch once. It's just, it's amazing how much lemon, you know, flavor comes out of that pie. Um, so I'm gonna have that on there. I'm gonna have some Jack Stack burn ends probably. Um, I'm gonna have some Oklahoma Joe's fries. I'm gonna have some uh, some catfish from Charlie D's. Yeah, I might, and it's, it's able to be as big as I want to. I might as well have their spaghetti yeah. too. Yeah, you can do whatever <laughs> you want. You gotta have spaghetti with catfish, that's important. Um, Drinks wise, I'm gonna have, um, you know, I'll probably have a, a saison bread on there. Just one of the best beers in the world. Um, I, it's still cool to think about the fact that I got to make that beer. Um, yeah. Man, this this is a hard question. Um, Dude, hold on yeah. now. It's hard. Yeah, you ask yeah. people that every time, and like, now you're stuck. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you should have thought about this, man. I didn't, man. It's yeah. It's, it's hard to watch people, and I'm sure I, I make the same face they make. Like what's the <laughs> table? And they go, oh, God, I, I don't know, um, man. Well, um, and I, I would like be ticking off all of the all of the barbecue joints, but I'd be ticking off my menu item at each one. Sure, sure. And then I think when people ask, you know, I get a lot of questions on Twitter, like, where should I go for barbecue? And I'm like, well, what do you want? Exactly. Okay. That's always want, my response. Do you want ribs? Do you want pulled pork? Do you want burnt ends? What What is it that you want to have? And then I can I can give you some direction there. Ooh, I gotta have um, I gotta have some hot Polish sausage from uh, Fritz's down at 103rd Street. You guys yeah. go there? Yeah. Oh, it's so good, yeah. dude. I used yeah. to go there all the time. I, I don't know if they do it anymore, but Wednesdays you get two sausages and buns for three bucks. Oh That's shit! Insane. Yeah. That's ridiculous. McDonald's. Those, yeah. not, you know, you can spend <laughs> twenty-five bucks at McDonald's now, but you can spend three bucks and get two <laughs> <awesome> sausage. Right. <laughs> it's yeah, McDonald's. Now the small roommate doesn't want Happy Meals anymore. Yeah, we. We have insane McDonald's meals sometimes. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's nothing wrong with coaching up your kid to, to eat good. You know what I'm saying? No, no, no. That's important. <laughs> nothing that's nothing wrong with that. That's I, mean, I, got a buddy of, I got a buddy of mine. His kids are five and eight, and they eat sushi. Yeah. I'm like, what? Sushi. 
Yeah. He loves yeah. sushi. Yeah. Does he really? Oh, yeah, yeah. We got some sushi from June's last week, and uh, Randall had gotten herself some some big pieces of tuna, and he ate them all. Like, you smart man, you. I want that, and I want that roll. And, yeah, he, he loves spicy tuna rolls, and he loves tuna. He'll eat a little bit of salmon as well. Um, that's that's awesome. Yeah, so I'll put some You're June's sushi on there. I'm okay. I'm, I'm trying to learn every day, man. It's 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 a process. Well, yeah, it's a process, but hell, he's eating yeah. good because yeah, yeah. he's how old? He's, uh, he's seven, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're good. <laughs> he's, uh, Dad is here. We measured him today at the doctor, and he's, he's four foot, six inches tall, so he is not going to be a small person. So like, I, I know this, this, uh, this trend of eating a lot is only going to continue, man. Um, oh, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. yeah, yeah you, got, you got like 10 more years of that shit. Oh, I know, dude, I know. <laughs> Like we seriously, like we went to he went to McDonald's the other day, and you know he just broke in his arm. Like you can have whatever you want, dude. And I think I got like a like a burger meal, and he got like a, a Big Mac meal and some nuggets, and wanted everything large. And they're like, it's twenty seven eighty, pull forward. I'm like, what, 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 what you're like, I need a part time job. How am I yeah. spending thirty bucks for two of us at McDonald's? Right. I'm like, damn it, dude. That is crazy. Like, but also, I I, I try. I don't want to spoil them, but I try not to say no because that saying no sucks. It's it's so much more fun to say yes to things. So especially food, you know, if, if you yeah. are hungry, you should always eat. And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't ever want him to feel like, like nervous about eating or have, have any, you know, hang ups with food. So if you're, right. if you're hungry, you should eat until you're full. If you have the opportunity to. Well, you know, there's a, there's nothing. I have three kids, so there's nothing wrong with spoiling that, that kid. As long as you let yeah. him know, rule number one, don't die. Rule number two, don't be a dick. <laughs> that's right. Keep it simple. That's yeah. right. I mean, if you can remember those two, two things, you know, so it's really, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, well, dude, we appreciate you coming on, man. No, it's, we've it, talked it, about it for a while now. Yeah. So I'm excited. It finally happened, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. When we, when, when Nick and I uh, first decided we we're going to do a podcast over coffees with bourbon in them, yeah. <laughs> we had a list of people and and you've always been on there. So I'm glad we got to do this. Um, I'm a fan of yours. Uh, every time I see you, it's much love. Uh, you know, it's, I, you know, I think you're a great ambassador to Kansas City Beer. Um, I love your new role. You know, you've kind of hit some people to, it's, it's amazing that some people don't know about four hands. Right. But, you know, that's, you know, that's your, that's your, your next uh, pilgrimage is to get these people to understand it. Yeah. You're going to make know. me be nice to St. Louis people. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I've been going to St. Louis for you know twelve years for work before, and I, I have a lot of friends and family, or not family, a lot of friends there. That you know, for me, it's it's a beautiful place to go. I, I want to tell a quick story that won't take very long. Sure. You're, you're talking about no, you're good. Like spreading awareness. Uh, years ago, I was doing a tasting at Royal Liquor, um, that, that's now a Gomer's at 103rd Street, and uh, I was with Boulevard then. Great and store. Walked over, and uh, she goes, Boulevard, where are you guys from? And I said, Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Before I answer that, where are you from? She said, I'm, I'm from Kansas City. I've lived here my entire life. Uh, and she was in I've never heard Boulevard. And I lean in and I go, are you fucking with me? And she goes, no, <laughs> I, I've, I've never heard of Boulevard before. And it, it blew my mind. But in, in that moment, I had such a ridiculous opportunity that I don't think a lot of Boulevardians in Kansas City have ever had the chance to do is to introduce a Kansas City into Boulevard. Right. That, that's, wow. That, that's crazy. That'd be like, 
you ever heard of Royals baseball? Oh, what's that about? And you're like, oh my God. Well, what's that about? <laughs> it was baseball here? What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, this opportunity. So like in, in my role with forehands, like I said earlier, the primary function is creating awareness. And that's so much fun because the beers themselves are so good. Uh, our, our brewers are so talented that when I, when I get five minutes with you to sit down and taste some of our beers and you, you take a drink and you go, that's really good. In my brain, I go, I know. That's why I brought it to you. Like, I, oh, I wouldn't. Oh. Yeah, like, that's why I work here. If you know, I, you know, I was very fortunate when uh, when everything went down with Boulevard. I, I put out, you know, a statement on social, let folks know that I was no longer with with Boulevard. I got a text that night from uh, Kevin Limp at Forehands saying, "Hey, do you, you want to work for Forehands?" And I'm like, "I have no idea, dude. Maybe. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea." Um, but it, it went very fast from there. So, I they they you know took a chance on me because um, I'm, I'm me. I'm polarizing. I know that. I know that n- not a lot of people go Danders. Okay. Eh, they love him or they hate him. Um, but um, just having that opportunity almost every day to introduce people to a new brewery, a brewery they've never had before. And, and I'm confident that the beers are good. And I'm confident they're going to like them. It, it's such a joy to get to share that. And I think that's, that's what you do with Crafter too, man, is you, you turn people on to stuff that you dig knowing that because they like you and they trust you, they're likely going to enjoy it as well. And that, that feels cool. Getting paid is awesome as well. Like I, right. I appreciate that I'm that money's deposited in my account every couple of weeks for doing this, but, but the joy in introducing people to something, not only that you're passionate about, but something that, that you dig and something that sort of sets them on a journey. It's, it's like when you teach, and this is not quite the same, but teaching someone to fish, you're like, shit, man, fishing's awesome. I had no idea. When you, when you introduce people to the world of craft beer and especially brewery that you're passionate about, that's that's a lucky position to be in, but it's also it's fun too. It's rewarding. Uh, yeah, I would say you're not polarizing people. Some people can't handle real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, just, you're just real. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's what that is. Some people can't handle that. They're, I mean, yeah. you, you said it. You are who you are. Yeah. And you don't you don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. You're going to be Jeremy Danner. I'm a terrible liar. You, yeah. I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. Awesome. I, have no, I have no capacity for it. I just can't do it. Hey, hey, a sidebar here. That 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 uh, that Royal Liquor that is now at Gomer's. That beer selection in there was ridiculous. When oh, it was, was insane. When, oh, I, I was like, who was getting these beers? Uh, Nick, you would go to that. It's hundred third state line. You would go in there, and you could you could oh, just yeah. spend an hour in there. I'm like, why is this even in here? Why is this beer in here? It'd be all yeah. dusty and shit. It was the craziest thing, man. I took so many people in there. And they would all spend 150, 200 bucks. I'm like, it was nobody knew what they had. So is it the same? I don't think it's the same that Gomer's is there now, is it? You know, they they trimmed down some of the selection and with Shelton Brothers, you know, sort of shutting down business in Missouri, that that pulled a lot of that stuff out. I think a lot of the stuff you find, we're like, why is this here? You know, the really esoteric out there stuff what was distributed by Shelton. So it's not there right now. Um, but right. they've got more cooler doors than they had before. I mean, it's right, a great right. store. I mean, Gomer's folks, they know what they're doing. Yeah, it looks it looks a lot cleaner. I'm just gonna say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. They they immediately, yeah, they immediately showed some love to the building and painted it up. And, but that was kind of part of it though, is you go in and you're like, this place looks shitty. And then you get in there and you're like, oh my God, there's amazing beer here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as many, you know, I got a buddy of mine that I trade with in Oklahoma and he was like, Can you find this beer? I'm like, probably at Gomer at uh, at uh, Royal. So yeah. That's where I would go and find and find that shit. So, but uh, brother, I, I, again, I appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, 
tell people where they can follow you. Yeah, so um, Twitter is probably my favorite place to hang out with people, and um, uh, Jeremy underscore Danner on there. Um, follow Four Hands Brewing Company as well. It's the number Four Hands Brewing Co. on Twitter and Instagram. Um, sometimes I tell people, just Google me and you'll find some stuff. Um, the Google image results for me, it's incredible. <laughs> but yeah, my, my Twitter feed pops up when you Google Jeremy Danner. Um, yeah, those would be the spots I'd, I'd check out. And then, um, you know, fourhandsbrewery.com is our website for the brewery. Uh, has all of our beers on there and, you know, kind of what we're doing at the, at the current time. Where can they find Forehands or like around Kansas City? What, what, yeah, there's probably I mean, a bunch of places or what's the story? Yeah, I mean, I hesitate to name specific liquor stores for fear of forgetting one. Um, right. But, but yeah, I mean, most of the bigger liquor stores in town are going to have us and a lot of the smaller ones too. Um, yeah, if, you, if you're if you listening to this and you want to find out where you can find a specific Forehands beer, you know, DM me on Twitter. My, my DMs are open and I can pull reports and I'll show you exactly where uh, the beer you're looking for has been recently ordered. But yeah. I always get nervous about naming specific accounts. Right, that's I'll, fair. I'll realize I forgot one, and they'll be right. Oh, I should have said that. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be. D- yeah, I'll be DMing you about uh, street soda <laughs> next yeah. time it comes out <laughs> every day, I, 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 there, dude. Every bro, day. you bro, you rep that beer so much. I'm like, I gotta have that beer, but I. It's just, it's just, it's it don't, it doesn't last, man. I'm like, I'm, and and I, I can't get Nick to go to St. Louis with me. So there's that. No, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to. <laughs> Look, not unless you're, you know, you've got a vaccine with that beer. Right. Bro, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go to the liquor store, pick it up, and drive back. <laughs> <laughs> drive through, baby. Drive there we through. go. I miss drive through liquor hey, stores. Hey, Nick, where can they find Beers with Nigel? You can find Beers with Nigel, Nigel on your favorite podcast apps. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Hey, did you know, Nigel? You can even tell Alexa to play the Beers with Nigel podcast. It's pretty That's cool. what I hear, but I, I don't have an Alexa. I have a uh, Google. Last time so. I said that, we got somebody somebody's device that actually started to play it, so that was kind of fun. Nice. Well, <laughs> I, and I saw I saw today that Amazon's doing a podcast now. So yeah, uh, ours will be available through Amazon and Audible soon. Or you can go to Facebook.com uh, Beers with Nigel. Because this is the thing, Jeremy. We do video, but we also do audio. And, you know, the video, they, sometimes it's better to see facial expressions. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> but if you want to see facial it's expressions. It's better with less face of me. Me too. Yeah, I am, uh, I'm a very unfortunate looking man. Oh, you guys, are, <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are handsome bitches, okay? It's fine. <laughs> I'm not sure which of those I'm more proud of. Probably bad. Handsome or, or bitch? Which one? <laughs> hey, thanks Jeremy, for it was awesome to meet you, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. Uh, totally we'll see you guys. Absolutely. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks for listening and watching. Uh, what's the name of the show, Nick? It's Beers with Nigel, a show. What, what? About what? About beer and other things. And what? Other or stuff? Other stuff. I don't know. We got we our own tagline wrong. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with Nigel. I'm blaming Nigel on this one. I mean, it happens. It happens. You have been listening to Beers with Nigel, a show about beer and other stuff. Hosted by Nigel Woodbury and that other guy, Nick Parker. Beers with Nigel is a proud member of the Fredcast Network, and it's available on your favorite podcast apps. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Beers with Nigel.